0: Welcome back! It's week sixty-five on Out on That Line, and we're all here because we're not all there tonight. I'm Jeff, with my co-host Alex. Alex, how you doing this week?
1: I am a rootin', tootin', one-man riot, Jeff, and I'm ready to roll on this episode. But first, I have a question for you. Shoot. Have you heard the new Silk Sonic?
0: Uh, no, there is oh, new Silk Sonic.
1: Baby. They how smooth? Uh, it it should be illegal how smooth it is. Like if you tried to drive a car over it with Firestone tires, you, you'd have a massive lawsuit on your hands. It's glare ice. It's that smooth,
0: ultra smooth. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, that's. I know there's there's probably a singles video coming up. I don't know if that's the one you've uh, you've chosen for it. If you want to spoil the the game for yourself there, but I wow. haven't heard of this one.
1: Yes, it is apparently a, a cover by a group, I think, called Confunction. I okay. didn't know that until after I made my reactions video. But uh, that's the second artist in a row that's tried to trip me up with a cover. I was like, ooh, new Doja Cat single. I'm like, ooh, Celebrity Skate. Well, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yep. I mean, great cover. She, she did a fucking awesome job. Yep. But I, uh, yeah, I was almost taken.
0: Well, it's a good it's a good thing that you are smarter than the average bear and Just you figured barely. that out. <laughs> Just bear. Well, I'm gonna have to yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Um, I've liked literally every other thing they've done, so I assume that will remain the case. Absolutely,
1: and they have us yeah. to thank for their massive success and popularity because we never shut the fuck up about them. So yep, you're welcome,
0: fellas. So well, the reason I missed the Silk Sonic new single is because I was in Dallas. And can you guess what I was doing, Alex? I think you were visiting a girl, Jeff. I was visiting a girl. And her name was Casey Musgraves. And, buddy, let me tell you. My first Casey Musgraves experience, 10 out of 10. Really? Absolutely would recommend.
1: So walk me through the set list. How much came out of one album?
0: um, So she started out, it was heavy on Starcrossed. But live? I like the cut of that album's jib. Okay, like very much lent itself to, you know, kind of big time light show arena sort of vibe like everybody. She'd been given out like these bracelets that lit up. So like the whole place was lighting up the same color Mm -hmm. during these things. The big screen in the back, I think I sent a picture. um, The screen in the back was like it would always have these like silhouettes of her as she's singing. So it gave you the sense of this almost like an old Grand old Opry like, kind of screening, like, when they used to, you know, film them, Um, but it was also had, like, during, uh, Rainbow, they had tons, this huge laser light show, all rainbow colors, obviously, um, it was just a very well put together show, you could tell that she is an entertainer now, far more than she is, you know, just a songwriter, um, but she played tons from Golden Hour, I mean, Rainbow was one of them, Golden Hour, um, high horse. Yeah, I mean, she played like she did the hits. Um she did Merry-Go-Round. I mean, it's a mm. it was all around, top to bottom, a great show. Um she did a cover of Dreams by Fleetwood Mac. She did yeah, really. Yeah. How would she do good. with that? It was good? Uh yeah, quite good. You know, I think I think she's a better singer than than probably people give her credit for and probably better than I've given her credit for in the past. Same. Um yeah, but it was, yeah, excellent, excellent show, and she, as always, was looking fine.
1: Yeah, fine is the way to put it. I guess she's good looking. I guess she'll do. <laughs> <laughs> oh Christ!
0: Yeah, but I got myself, you know, good and liquored up. You yeah. go. It was a great uh, Valentine's Day concert. It was on the on Monday night on Valentine's Day, and uh, yeah, really a uh, great time, good time in Dallas. Didn't think I would ever say that
1: Uh, i mean shoot chuck them up i don't think there's many people that (laughs) don't live there that can say that
0: yeah um that's all
1: did you pick up any uh merch while you were there
0: uh so i didn't get anything um uh fiance the pod marlin she got two shirts
1: excellent so i went
0: out during one of the songs i forget what song but you know i'd been i had a few modelos 16 ounce modelos no big deal um you know and i had to visit the facilities Sure. Every now and again because of that. And so one of those times I went out and I was just like, hey, let me grab a couple of those shirts. Nice. And uh yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Had a couple drinks, saw a couple things, bought your gal <laughs> yes, a sir. nice shirt or two. Yes, sir. It was uh quite a quite a moment, quite a time to be alive.
1: Awesome. Sounds like a good show.
0: Yeah, it was it was excellent. I would uh absolutely recommend that well, maybe not this tour because those tickets are like 300 400 now even just to get in at most of the shows but Christ. yeah we we thankfully got them like when they got released so we p- paid regular price i think it was like 150 bucks for for two of them uh, but it was nice venue the american airlines center uh where the mavericks and dallas stars mm. play their sports contests um yeah just a really uh really cool experience very easy experience in downtown dallas
1: that's uh that should be a sequel to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> Too bad Hunter Thompson's dead.
0: Yeah. And just in the sequel, you gotta pay for its valet parking everywhere you go. Ugh. So you better have cash on you. Ugh. Yeah, it was uh yeah. It's like
1: New Jersey it's... with the can't pump your own gas law. Fuck
0: off. So I gotta ask, because you have Jersey roots, so you may know this answer better than than most people. Do you tip the gas like the pump attendant? Do you tip them from what I've gathered? My family doesn't, which shouldn't tell you anything. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, well, yeah, that's maybe not the best. best that unfortunately
1: doesn't answer the question.
0: Yeah. Uh, I wonder I listeners from Jersey. Tell us, do you tip the gas attendant? Is that something I feel like that's worthy of a tip, right? But if you don't have a choice, but to participate in that, yeah. does that count?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, that's tough. You know, they are getting paid to do it. Is it like a waitress type thing where they kind of need the tips because their wages are so low? Like, but I don't, I don't, I don't they're know. not doing as much as a waitress. No, sorry, not to besmirch any gas station <laughs> attendants in the New Jersey area.
0: <laughs> However, I don't know. I don't know what corner of the internet <laughs> we're going to piss off. I don't know where we're going to find those, but I feel like. You just shined a light on the corner of the internet where get New Jersey gas attendants yep that that really pick up their pitchforks when people talk about not tipping them. I feel like we're we're gonna have their asses coming for us, oh yeah,
1: subtle little dog whistle, and now they're now they're coming
0: <laughs> well, you know before we get too deep into this show and I realize <laughs> we're already somewhat we've got you know that first segment pretty good chunk. should we talk about what we're actually here to do? this week
1: i guess sure okay
0: well we're gonna talk about an album of music (laughs) and this one is from big thief and i'm gonna read this directly from the screen their new album dragon new warm mountain i believe in you yes yes
1: that's uh, that's a very manageable title (laughs) it just rolls off the tongues of music pundits everywhere
0: yeah. And, and, you know, I had, I apparently I've never heard of big thief um, this album kind of popped on social media. I don't know if I think, cause you suggested it to me after I had already seen it be like pretty popular. And because you suggested it among a couple others, I was like, yeah, that one's been talked about quite a bit in the circles that I follow online and okay, let's do it. So I thought there was a song in the past and again, I tried to figure out what song it was and I couldn't, but I thought it was a big thief song. And so I was like, Oh, I've heard of them. Like it was cool. Listen to this album and then listen to some of their past stuff, like the most popular ones on Spotify. And then some like just kind of random ones from the albums. I had never heard of this band before this point. So this was a brand new fresh experience for me. And it's a, it was a long album. So I feel like I got the full gamut of big thief. I would assume, um, and there was definitely some pretty high points on this album for me, mixed with several, I don't want to say low points, just like boring points, I guess.
1: I think that's the that's the unfortunate reality of the double album. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. that's not axiomatic. There are tremendous double and triple albums. See also George Harrison, but it it can be done but i think it's you you're messing with statistics at that point so
0: mm-hmm.
1: i it's kind of an unfortunate trap but like you said i i had a couple low points too but not it wasn't about being like disappointed especially cuz i didn't have a super basis for big thief going in like the mitski thing i had a whole journey with like learning to love that album and love it i do now folks mm-hmm. you should see my spotify activity all mitski all day but, um, yeah, it's I knew the song Big uh, Shark Smile, and I know mm-hmm. a couple others, and the titles aren't really coming to me. I remember liking them, so when I went through the album release dates, I was like, okay, well, it looks like Big Thief's got an album coming out. Jasmine Sullivan's doing a deluxe edition of Hotels, and that's the only other thing off that list that I would suggest. So we took a shot on Big Thief, and I at least thought it was interesting. I don't know how you felt. Mm-hmm.
0: It definitely was interesting because I think I also I listened to this one like in full um, on the drive back from Dallas and just well on the way there and on the way back just to like get it in. And I'll tell you, it was a I felt like it matched up very well with the scenery I was going by, of which there was none, you know, so I I felt like musically the album was pretty sparse at a lot of points. But at the moment where I was like that, that worked. That fit in very well with with what I was doing it was just the the hum of the tires, mile after mile after mile, on that straight line on I thirty five to Dallas, and it was just this album kind of playing in the background. I felt like it fit the moment very well for me. Um, I because it was a double album and because there was not a lot of, and I'm not saying that you owe like anybody any artist owes excitement and like is required to have a certain amount of like upbeat songs on an album or anything like that. I felt like there was just a lot of pretty slow songs stacked back to back to back. And when you're in the environment where I was, where it's just the same road until you can't see any further, you know, it's just a straight line, maybe a gas station, a factory, a warehouse, you know, just some random little ass backwoods town here and there. It's just like, I felt like the first time through it kind of all blended together a lot because it was just like the scenery was all blending together. It was just a very singular kind of experience. Now the way back listening to it was a much different story Mm -hmm. because having heard it once, I kind of understood where the breaks in the songs were so I could get each song as its own package instead of like getting 30 seconds into the next song and realizing, Oh, that other one ended. It allowed me to wrap my head around the concepts and the themes as they were moving through a lot better. And I feel like how they were supposed to be presented um, so I definitely improved my opinion on it the second time through. But as we get into it and I'll tell and I think we picked all the songs that I liked on this album. like I'll just get get out in front of the of the ones like if I was to pick any, like you picked one that was Red moon that was one of my probably my favorite one on the album overall. Really? um, you know, so it was I think there was definitely a theme in the songs that I picked in that it wasn't the slower kind of songs not it was not that any of them were like super upbeat or or quick paced or anything like that but it was just these were ones that were more traditionally i think in my wheelhouse and it happened to be like all the ones that we picked um so what do you say we get right into it so the first pick is from you is certainty
1: so we're talking about how this is very stripped down and and Some of the songs tend to bleed together and they're not very upbeat and exciting. I certainly feel that way about some songs, but a lot of them are exciting because of how simplistic they are. Like, I try to look at the album overall as the same kind of concept as the album art, which has a bunch of little animals. It's like an owl, a bear, a Tyrannosaurus Rex. And a bunny, or something like that. Just like a crude, like, pencil sketch that's all smudged. And it's just four friends chilling around a campfire. Mm -hmm. And I kind of tried to look at it like that, like a, a session of just campfire songs, a couple people passing around a bottle of fucking whistle pig and a little left handed cigarette or two. And just hanging out under the stars, sharing songs. And when I like got into that mentality, I really started to enjoy this album Mm -hmm. a lot. And the first, like you said, the first listen is a little hard to get your hands around, but the second one is where you really lock in. And Certainty was the first song where I really started to get a sense of like, okay, this is what this album is. Great flavor of Bob Dylan, Joni Mitchell, the band, Avitz, Fleetwood Mac, Strand of Oaks, Shaky Graves. John Prine, there's a lot of like influences in there, but it's not overstuffed. It's like very elegant in its simplicity and certainty to me typifies that attitude.
0: Yeah, and I think this one too, um, and I think overall I get the sense of like, they really skew between being very specific about what they're talking about and then also being very general. You know, it's like you either really relate and know exactly what they're saying, or you might not get some of the stuff, or might not connect with you. And I think this is one of the songs where they kind of got very specific. I mean, it seems like it's it's setting a scene. It's telling like a very kind of linear story, especially in the first verse, like name on the line, last request, pull the car over to find some rest, saying I love you, need to lie here, need to li- need to leave, living in the debt of make believe. You know, it's just. You can envision this this picture that they're painting. It's not a general statement. I felt like they do a very good job when you really kind of dig in, and I think you're supposed to on this album. This is not supposed to be like, you know, you put it on just to like enjoy it in the background kind of thing, even though you could because of how kind of dulcet all the sounds are on the whole thing. But it's meant to have you dig in and take that and sit along around. I like your analogy of the campfire and and sit along the outside of that campfire with your friends and take this in and understand and unpack these things. And I really enjoyed this song in particular because the chorus was really good. It was very, it was very catchy chorus. You know, that's one thing they can do very well. And I think her voice lends her, lends itself to that. It's very much that like kind of hound mouth, like mm. kind of very indie, but skewing way more towards country indie mm-hmm. kind of voice. Um, you know, not like the indie girl, but there's that distinct kind of accent, they all do a certain way they say vowels and, and the way they string the words together that connects a lot of dots throughout kind of that country indie scene. And she definitely has that sort of voice. Um, it never gets to a point where I'm like, Oh, it doesn't sound right. Cause it always seems like they make it fit. And on the country song, she bends way more towards that kind of voice. And on the other songs where they're not so country, she gets away from that. She doesn't put that accent so heavy on it. So I think they do a very good job at kind of putting the right things in the right places on the songs to match kind of what they're trying to tell you. Um, And when they want you to pay a little more attention as they're kind of advancing a story and telling you something, that's when the music kind of gets a little more upbeat. And I feel like the rest of it is meant to almost serve as like your kind of just exposition. Like this is setting you up for the next big movement in the story. And I think a lot of the songs we picked were those bigger movements where it's kind of like, I don't know, imagine uh, when you're playing Mario Kart and those little those little uh, boxes you can run over where they give you the speed boost. You
1: know, mm-hmm. it's like that's what each
0: of these songs kind of did for me as because they're sprinkled throughout the album and it kind of like launches you into the next little part where it kind of goes into a lull and then you pick back up into one of these more upbeat songs and then a little lull again and it's just kind of, I feel like it it does wave you through the story very well. And I, The more I listened to it, the more I liked it. There's some songs I'm probably still pretty lukewarm on because they just don't do much for me. But this was a great one to kind of, the first one, like it happened for you. The first one that really did grab me on the album. I heard this one. I was like, okay, this is pretty good.
1: Well, it's funny you mention Wave because this is a song that references like sine waves and particles, which is the law of the natural universe. It's a natural Mm -hmm. thing. And then you have references to something like television. And that is a big recurring dynamic throughout this entire album, the natural world and the artificial one. And it's not in judgment of either one. And it's not saying like, you know, oh, well, one's better than the other. It's just they've become so inextricably linked. You live in a house that's built into a piece of land with trees Mm -hmm. around it. All of nature and all of artifice are mingled now. And that, I don't think, this wasn't a concept album. It definitely wasn't. Again, it was Campfire Tales with your buds. But I did find a lot of thematic unity, which must just come out of the mind of the, the songwriters. But this was when, it's like you said, this is kind of getting you used to that concept. And then you go on to... Your first pick, Blurred View, which is where we can kind of take the training wheels off, not as a dig to certainty, but we can we can kind of explore a new direction.
0: Yes. And this one was like much more of an electronic song. You know, I think I picked this one because it was just so much different than everything else had been. it was, you know, this was what, the ninth or tenth song on the, I mean, it was, this was deep into the album. So you were getting already basically a whole regular length albums worth of this kind of one kind of music. And then all of a sudden you get blurred view. And this is what I was talking about where it's like those kind of launch pads where it's like, you hit this spot and you're like, Whoa, what's this? And then you go back to a little more of the same. And then they change your mind again. And it's just like, they have these switches that they keep flipping. They're like, yeah, we can do a lot of different stuff. And we've got 80 minutes, which is how long this album was. We got 80 minutes to do whatever the fuck we want. And they really did. And I felt like, this blurred view kicking off towards the kind of back half of the album. I feel like this is the start of where it really picked up for me. Um, I really enjoyed this song because it was weird. You know, there's, there. I don't know how, there's a lot of ways you can describe this one. You can get very technical about, you know, whatever synthesizers or kind of beat machine they might've been using for this one, but I'll just boil it down to, it was weird compared to everything else. And so for that reason, it was very interesting, much more of a, um, kind of tighter, writing scheme as well. It was a little less of a storytelling kind of vibe and more of like a a stream of consciousness kind of thing. And I really, I don't know. It really was a it was an excellent song, in my opinion.
1: It is a really cool song because like you said, it's a way more cosmic sound. Um and and immediately, like right out of the gate, it doesn't sneak up on you. It just hits you with this cosmic soundscape. And the the music doesn't change much. It, it doesn't have a verse, a chorus It just kind of barrels through in one straight line and doesn't change much musically because it's more about the repetition and the recitation of these lyrics. And it's how they're constructed that give the song meaning. Cause like you said, it's not like I got really sad. It's not Luke Combs when it rains, it pours. Right. Which mm-hmm. is a pretty, you know, on-the-nose narrative Um, but you you get the meaning out of it by just the sheer repetition and the way that it's all put together and I got something different than maybe somebody else would get but I, I saw this as a song about patterns and cycles specifically in relationships but all of that repetition all of that round and round and round for me was pay attention to how many patterns we live in in life. And how cyclical everything is. And I think that's a cool mm-hmm. thing for a fucking Roots song to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think I it was just, I don't know, very, very cool to hear this one. Especially at this point in the album when it's like, I didn't really look at how long the album was. I'm just like, well, I know it's not four hours long, so I'm just, <laughs> just going to put it on here for this drive. And just let it go. And just like, I'm not going to look and expect anything out of this one. I was like, this is a perfect opportunity to just like get a fresh good experience with this one on some good, like car audio speakers, you know, and just like, let it ride. And so I get to this one. I was like, Oh man, this is a pretty, this would be a pretty good album closer. <laughs> and then I looked at where it was on the album and I was like, Oh, we're like not even halfway through at no. this point. And that's why I, I, I don't know. I felt like I kept getting surprised by this album. I kept getting surprised by kind of what they did. And I, I get, I'm getting more excited again about this album because we're talking about all the songs that I would go back to and listen to again. Um, so the next one is one of your picks and you were very sneaky and got these in before I could get mine in because this was my favorite song on the album. But one of your picks, Red Moon.
1: Well, so for me, it was, again, that like excellence of execution. Shout out to Bret Hart in um, <laughs> just the the bluegrass flavor but giving it a little bit of a 2022 boost Mm -hmm. because the drumming is absolutely not bluegrass it's not working against the bluegrass it's working with it but you would clearly listen to those drums and go oh okay this is a newer piece like drumming technique obviously leapt forward and there's there's an obvious skill to it but then it's hanging off those bones is this really kind of awesome ass kicking bluegrass song with um, this guy, Matt Davidson, who performs under the name Twain. He plays the fiddle. I guess he kind of got grandfathered into big thief for the recording session. They mm-hmm. did, they recorded in four different locations, upstate New York, Topanga, California in the Rocky mountains and in Tucson. And Twain joined them in the Tucson sessions and, And I you immediately identify them. It's just like great lo fi bluegrass with a ton of energy. And when you're spoiled Mm -hmm. on modern bluegrass, like Sturgill Simpson or something, this very much fits into that canon.
0: I wonder, is there a way we can figure out what like which songs were written where?
1: I think anytime you hear the prevalence of the fiddle, you know that that is the Tucson sessions. Other than that, I couldn't find anything that told me what came from where.
0: Okay. Well, I wonder if we could find that out because they're so like, there's these songs that are just like very much like different genres. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's, and there's not a lot of stuff that they have in common with the other, you know, they really jump and shift from to different genres a few times in this album. I wonder if the different locations, like the songs that were similar, you know, like Red Moon and and Love, Love, Love and like the country songs. I wonder if those tended to be recorded all in one spot. And then the kind of slower, more brooding, you know, kind of more spatial songs were in one spot. You know what I mean? So I wonder if yeah. the location had anything to do with the inspiration for different parts of the album it's entirely
1: possible um i do know fun fact that they quarantined in vermont for two weeks before they got cooking on the album oh where in vermont i didn't say just said the woods of vermont
0: oh it was probably somewhere like manchester or killington yeah gotta be somewhere with some like big ass houses up in the mountains (laughs) hunger down in your compound Yeah. yeah
1: um Yeah, I just, I, again, this is where I was really aware of the themes of the order of the natural world and the unending grind of modernity. Because Mm -hmm. nature obviously endures, it reincarnates, you know, a tree dies, a new one takes its place. Um, So that is its own perpetual motion. And then you look at our modernity and we are constantly moving towards new innovations and new technology and life starts to move a lot faster and that it's a, it goes through a similar process of, of life and death and rebirth as the natural world does, but they're totally at odds with one another in theory and big thief, their favorite thing to do, it seems is to find a way to seamlessly marry them. So you get something like, I was washing the dishes, so you do that in a sink, which is not a natural thing, using water, which is a natural thing, putting it in a drying rack, which was invented by man, but hoping that the wind will give you permission to dry the... waiting for the wind's consent to dry the dishes. So it might sound like I'm just like looking for shit that isn't actually there, but it kept smacking me in the face the more I listened to these songs. It's everywhere.
0: Mm-hmm. And what a badass way to say you chop some vegetables is I got the onions wishing they hadn't made me cry.
1: <laughs> that, it's pretty fucking clever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that to me, this, that's why this one is my favorite song. Cause that's the most like country song on the album, but it, it does things like you're saying things like Sturgill Simpson does, you know, where it's, you hear these lyrics, but then it's like, you got it. When you kind of look back and do the double take on them, the mental double take that I do a lot with lyrics, this good. I'm like, Oh, that meant that didn't mean what what it looks like on the surface. Like that was another way of saying that she chopped the vegetables. And I was like, did I really just think that hard about that she chopped vegetables? But I did. And I loved it.
1: It's cool. And then like again, if we're talking about cycles and the the constant struggle between the modern world, the artifice and, and the natural world, I like that this song kind of ends in a big musical fuck around where it, it kind of falls apart and returns to nature. It's like the walking dead when a car gets covered in moss and vines over the years. Like that was kind of the vibe at the end of this song because it didn't have a typical structure. So by the time that Adrian Lanker just decides to drop out and stop singing, the whole song just kind of falls apart into a very controlled lo-fi chaos. Mm -hmm. And it, it was probably the most fulfilling listening experience I had on this album Out of an album full of a lot of stuff there was to like, this, I think, was the peak for me.
0: Yeah, yeah. And talking about going to the woods by saying, I'm going to leave town. There is someone to meet. She turns her head around a full 360. I mean, talking about going to see an owl, like, I'm going out into the woods. I'm going out into nature. It's like, just, again, a clever way of saying, a better way of saying, I'm going into nature to clear my head. Yeah, it's great. It's like, it's been said a million times, but someone said they're going to go talk to an owl. Yeah, I got to go see a man time. about
1: a horse or whatever that yeah. is. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: just excellent, excellent, excellent stuff. Um, now, the next one, another pick by you. No reason.
1: Yeah, so this is, again, giving us a different flavor. This is very indie. It's shoegaze, but not quite as glossy as shoegaze, but it definitely has that kind of contemplative, floaty kind of feeling to it. Um the vocals pierce the veil, and that's what kind of keeps it from getting too glossy. But it's definitely dreamy. Um, heavy involvement of the flute, which immediately gives me Marshall Tucker vibes, buddy. Yeah,
0: it doesn't I'll talk have about that in a second.
1: Yeah, it doesn't have that like from the bottom of your fucking guts, Marshall Tucker howl vocally, obviously. But the flute, I mean, it it, it triggers a Pavlovian response in me um great harmonies the vocals were great this i also heard a lot of like gordon lightfoot in this and uh it has a very positive message come together you know what i mean mhm so i uh i thought this was a nice little piece
0: yeah this one so the flute immediately same thing thought of marshall tucker band yeah. so i was like it sounds like dead on i wonder if they got the guy to play the flute so i looked up who it was it was not the same. It was not the same guy from Marshall Tucker Band. It was a guy named Richard Hardy. And he has played the flute on a bunch of stuff. Like 10 Carol King songs. I mean, oh, wow. he's played. He's played with some like really, really high end people. Let's see. I'm trying to spot another one here. Because um, there's a bunch of like one offs. Let's see played a bunch with soul food sacred earth um i mean he's just like he's gotten around and he's a very accomplished so they got in like as much of a heavy hitter flautist as you can bring in (laughs) they brought one in like this guy was was the real deal i mean he was on tapestry for christ's sake
1: which i love that album i am very pro carol king i don't know about you
0: yeah i mean i'd Take her, or leave her, but I don't. I'm not like against her at all, you know. All right. I enjoy so, the songs when I hear them, you know.
1: Slightly better than your untenable position on Joni.
0: Yeah, that's that's not that's not great. We, we could dip into James Taylor at some point too, if you want. If we're talking about Carol King, because I don't like that guy.
1: Yeah, I'm not a big James Taylor guy either. Yeah. Oh, it seems we've stirred up more controversy,
0: <laughs> as we are wont to do here on sure. Out of the <laughs> uh but I I love no reason that flute if if for nothing else it could have been an instrumental with just the flute and I would have loved it because it like you said it's Pavlovian as soon as that hit my ears I was like oh it just brings you back to just comfort warmth just a great great headspace and I I think it's the lyrics are pretty good on this one I, I definitely would have picked this one as one of my three if you hadn't um but I just think that musically, this is where they really like they shined. You know, they they really showed they're like, we're a tight ass band and we're going to make a song with a goddamn flute and it's going to be the sexiest thing you've ever heard. And it and it really was very good.
1: Well, and it's like we've heard the flute mimic a bumble, a bumble fly, a bumble checker <laughs> Trailer Park Boys fans out there. Um, <laughs> it, it, it can kind of mimic the sound of like a butterfly and that kind of stuff that very light airy sound so it was a really appropriate uh uh, instrument to include in this because the whole song in my estimation is just about rejecting that there is any kind of solid ideology out there politically in the religious sense whatever we don't have time for ideology all we can see in front of us is each other So let's come together and enjoy this because it can go away at any time. Those are the only things we're sure of. We've got each other now and it can all go away. So let's Mm -hmm. come together and forget everything else. And I fucking love that. I think that's really, really cool. And they get it across in a very creative way with their lyrics.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they they really do. And going into the next one, love, love, love. They kick right off with some of those creative lyrics. Mm -hmm. I already died. I'm singing from the other side. And that I mean if that if just for that alone I would have picked this song as one of my 3. But it's the storytelling in this one. I can't help but breathe your love when I'm scared to die alone. That's when I call you on the phone to t- I tell you that I need your love. It's just you can feel these things that they're that they're putting through in this song. And this song is what third from last. On the album? Yes. I mean, they buried this one way down there. And this, to me, is one of the best songs on the album. Because it's just like, it's a country song, but it's more of a pop song. Like, it's much more of like kind of acoustic, like indie pop kind of song. Um, and it just tells such a good story. It just has such a good melody to it. I really, really love this one. As soon as I heard it, I was like, how did how did they put this one this deep into the album? To me, this one was one that you normally put in the middle as you're like kind of crescendo before you go all the way back down. And I felt like this album was much more of a start slow and kind of ramp up all the way through the finish. Like it just kind of kept climbing and climbing and climbing all the way through instead of kind of settling back down like a lot of albums do. Yeah.
1: Well, that whiskey bottle keeps getting passed around throughout the campfire as the album progresses. And this song for me kind of hits that sad contemplative point that we all kind of hit inside of our heads in the evening. Now, full disclosure, I do not drink anymore. I don't not drink as a matter of principle or anything. I just don't really enjoy it like I used to, but I'll still do it, and I still remember what it was like, and I think we all know what it's like when you hit that point in the night where even when you're surrounded by people, you kind of disappear into your own head and have those weird little boozy thoughts. Mm-hmm. And that's what this song is for me. It's not about falling in love. It's about already being in love and you're fucked. You're so sloppy in, in your expression of what this love means. You're not overthinking it. So you're really just saying what's in your heart. And it's basically like, you know, I can try to pretend that I'm not into you, but I, it's like you're the cigarette in my fist, she says. You are so hard to resist. It's when you, you have no power to quit this person. So there's no point in trying to pretend that you can. Just let mm-hmm. them know that you know that you're in love and you're fucked.
0: Yeah, this this to me was, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if it was, because I think the last song that I picked, I might like almost, almost as much as this one, but it was definitely one of the real high points of the album. You know, just because of the, you know, kind of the, the pictures they were drawing the whole time, you know, the way that you really could follow that because we've all been there. Like you said, everybody's had that point, whether it was drinking or not, everybody's had that point in their life where they just kind of lose all control of, of what they are normally able to do and, and how they present themselves to other people. And like this emotion has taken you over to such an extent that you can't control that anymore, that it's just going to come out, you know, and and it's going to come out in it's pure, unfiltered, raw form and I think that's what this is trying to explain to us. I mean, the chorus is just love repeated a bunch of times. At the end of the song, it's just the refrain is love, love, love. You know, it's just constantly. That's the only thing on their brain. So that's the only thing they can express. And I really like that it's just this kind of tunnel vision mentality on this song. The way they, you know, kind of pretty it up with the way they they make the verses, like, is just to disguise how single-minded the focus of this song is. And I really, really think that's a cool trick with songwriting is to make it seem like you're not only focusing on one thing. They're kind of like weaving all around this main point. You're kind of following around as it goes, but it's always around that same point. And I think it's a really good trick when songwriters can do that and have you not get bored of it. You know, that you follow it the whole way through and that at the end, you're just like, oh, well, that was a fun time. You know, that was a a worthwhile experience instead of just saying like, oh, I just went in circles. You know, it's it's such a fine line between those two things.
1: Yeah. It knocks you for a nice little loop. Um, And I again, I appreciated it for doing something different than a lot of the other songs, because they were a lot of the uh, most of the songs on this album, again, are very mystical, but not like full of shit. Mystical. But again, concerned, uh, I would say romantic, like romanticism, the literary movement, where it's very based in uh, the beauty of the natural world, and that kind that the natural world becomes a character as much as the person telling the story. So it does that a lot on this album. So I was I kind of liked to see a very human, introspective, sad kind of song. It was a nice little different Mm -hmm. flavor for me
0: yeah and it was you know kind of leaning in it was the third to last song on the album but the last the very last song on the album blue lightning was my last pick and this one was such a good bookend to the album whether the whether the first track is considered you know you can consider that just as good a bookend at the start that's another argument for a different day right now what i'm talking about is the end of the album blue lightning it really kind of just drives the point home where it's either kind of the whole album I felt like was kind of leading up to this in a lot of different ways that it's going to end at some point, how you handle that end is the important thing. And I think this is about communicating with the person to understand, like, where do we stand? Like as this, this moment in time is ending, are we together in the next moment in time or is this dead now? You know, and I think that sort of maturity and and I think it's protecting themselves. I think it's insecurity that that causes this thing because you're worried. You're not sure that things are going to continue. You're insecure about that fact, so you have to talk about it. But I think the maturity comes in the ability to talk about that, to communicate with the other person about what your needs are and what their needs are. And I think this song is a great representation where the rest of the album, if you could have just looked at this as like this person's just going insane inside their own mind about how they're supposed to feel about all these things that are going on. I feel like blue lightning kind of cinches it all together, ties it in a nice bow that the whole time they've been doing this, they've been well aware of all these different places mentally they were going because they knew they needed to get here at some point. They knew those were all the steps and here is where they ended up. And now it's time to ask the question, does it go further than this?
1: And no, it doesn't, because obviously, beyond it being the last song on the album, the whole song is about endings. It's about Mm -hmm. the end. Humans have this this instinct towards a sense of permanence, right? We don't want good times to end. We don't want to grow up. We don't want to grow old. We don't want people to leave our lives. There's a lot like change is one of those things along that, like I've said. Earlier in the episode, it's intrinsic to the natural world and to the artificial one. Change is the only thing you can count on. It's coming. And there's this really beautiful line that I want to draw everyone's attention to to prove my point here. So it's it's uh, verse one. Blue lightning was an autograph signing up the sky. To the question that I had to ask, she only answered Why? And Julia took the photograph. The moment had to die. Years later, like an epitaph, we read it and we cry. It's literally spelling it out in there. You know, our, our instinct to try to capture a moment is not a bad thing, but it is futile because lightning doesn't split the sky and stay there. It's there and then it's gone. So that idea of like, I tried to get the lightning's autograph and it asked me why. It's just like, the lightning's not gonna stick around to answer any questions. It's there, it's gone. And if you're not careful, you're gonna be here and you're gonna be gone. So, yes, you can try to capture something in a photograph, and that's a memento that is a, a powerful reminder of the experiences you've had, but you'll never live in that experience again. So make sure you enjoy this because you don't know when you're gonna get the next one, and you don't you don't know what's coming after this.
0: Mm-hmm. And it is, I don't know, It's it's. it seems like it should be easy, right? Like, this is such a normal concept. You know, everybody thinks of these things, but to express it like this, I think, is why everybody was so excited for this album. You know, and I think songwriting like this is why Big Thief can do a double album and and have it be as popular as this one has been. I don't know what the sales numbers are or anything like that, but... I mean, it did hit my timeline on Twitter, also on Facebook. I mean, it was a lot of folks tweeting at Pitchfork was all over this one. Stereo Gum was all over this one. Um, you know, it just seemed like people were ready for this one. And then they dropped. And it's whether however you feel about the kind of other songs on the album that we didn't talk about, those slower ones, however you might feel about that. Doing a double album at all in this day and age and the age of streaming take some balls, take some big old brass balls to be able to do that because you're asking people to sit down in the age of instant gratification, to sit down for an hour and 20 minutes and take in this album. And, you know, there's, I, I assume plenty of people that do that. We do because we do this every Wednesday. You know, we, we signed up for this, but the regular person that would listen to normal like big, normal length, big thief album. Do you think they're going to come to this one? And listen to the whole thing. I think they do. I think when you have the strength of songwriting and especially because the way they ramp it up towards the end, you know, I think overall it was a good a good experience. So I'm gonna say stream it on this one because for me, I would go back and listen to a lot of these songs. I'm not sure I'm gonna go back and listen to the whole album all the way through again, but there was a lot of songs on this I did enjoy quite a bit.
1: It and it's it's a mood as the youths are so fond of saying, it's definitely a mood like sitting and listening to it for an hour and 20 minutes is an activity. And you need to be in the right frame of mind to really get a lot out of it. So yeah, you can cherry pick some of the singles. They released like nine of the songs as singles. Mm -hmm. Um, You can cherry pick some of those singles. I think some of them are better than others. Um, And that's fine. That's a fine way to like consume this material and get a sense of what it is. But I would recommend at least once, sitting down, setting Mm -hmm. aside the time, pour yourself a little drinky poo or whatever. And, and just like luxuriate with this. It's a really easy listen. You'll notice we didn't talk a ton about instrumentals or structure because I don't think they were too worried about instrumentals Mm -hmm. and structure. It really kind of seemed more like an idea, not a concept album, but an idea based album and, and the equivalent of a Richard Linklater movie. You're just chilling out with your friends, shooting the shit. And, I appreciate an album that functions like that. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it consistently as a genre or with every album I experienced, but I really appreciate this one for just being unpretentious, uncomplicated and fun. It's just, it's there. So I would say stream this one.
0: Yeah. And I would definitely do it with headphones. What I'm going to recommend Mm -hmm. to you folks do it with headphones on and not while you're driving across the vast nothingness (laughs) Of the American Southwest. Just do yourselves a favor. Do it with headphones.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a smart idea. Because the first time yeah. I listened to it, I think that's part of why I was like, uh, you know, because I wasn't getting the full effect. But once you toss the cans in, it's it's a much yeah. different experience. A much better experience. So I would agree with yeah. you, Jeff.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, did you have anything else this week, Alex?
1: I don't think I do. I got some... I filmed a shit ton of reaction videos today I went like and got way ahead of the process so I okay. have lots of fun stuff coming out all right well
0: up. how do uh, how do people find those reaction videos Alex you
1: can find us on YouTube you can search hashtag out on that line but I will also let you guys know that we crossed either the viewer or subscriber threshold to get a custom URL. So we are now. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. We're youtube.com backslash out on that line.
0: Oh, shit.
1: We fucking did it. We're not just a bunch of scrambling numbers anymore. We got
0: a custom URL. Hell yeah. I hadn't noticed that that had happened. I do check every day. I think we're up to like 108 subscribers or something like that. So, I mean, we're cooking.
1: And we're closing in on uh, 16,000 listens. I mean, what can I say? It's. Frank Zappa would be very proud of us. I almost forgot him again.
0: <laughs> we were nearly there.
1: It just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, "Holy, holy shit!" You haven't said yeah.
0: Frank. Well, we're we can give a little PBS uh, little tagline here. You know, we're only at 108 subscribers because of listeners like you. Mm. So That's please continue donating your time. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. You can find these podcasts wherever fine podcasts are sold. You can even find them all on that YouTube page Alex was telling you about, which is now just youtube.com backslash out on that line. That just flows off the tongue. I mean, just rolls. It's just beautiful. just felt like melted butter coming out of it. So we have a lot of different playlists on there. You can search for just those. You can go to the main page and just start at the top and work your way down. Whatever you want to do, there's tons of content on there. So check us out, let us know what you want to hear, whether it's an album on this show, something for the reaction videos, something for the on the record, whatever it is you want to hear, you let us know, and until next time.